Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. I'm on vacation this week getting some sunshine and at the same time keeping up on the very busy Michigan athletic scene here in early December. It's been a while since our last recruiting update, and with the December 20th early signing period, it's busier than usual this month. So before I got out of town on the weekend, I recorded our December recruiting roundup with Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. It's a long one, so we'll get to Steve in just a short minute. First, a few news and notes to get us started. On Monday, Shea Patterson announced he would be transferring to Michigan. We all know that by now. Will he be eligible or will he have to sit out a year? I'm sure the NCAA will answer that question soon. If he is eligible, it will be a crowded quarterback room in March and a lot of competition. Exactly what Jim Harbaugh wants. John Beeline and the guys had their biggest win of the year on Saturday at Chrysler over UCLA. Despite horrendous free throw shooting, 8 for 22, it was still a huge win for a team trying to find its identity. And we'll take it. Tonight, I'm recording the show on Tuesday morning, by the way. It's another big road test in Austin as we take on Texas. Another team searching for their identity. They are young and talented, but have been somewhat inconsistent so far. Still, beating them on their home court would be another good RPI win to add to the resume, at least we think, early in the season. Next Wednesday is the early signing date for college football, and who knows what will happen. It won't be as hyped as the National Signing Day in February, not yet anyway, but it will generate a lot of coverage. Now that the regular season is over for Michigan, I'll get back to our monthly recruiting updates with Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. We have a long one today, and as sometimes happens when you're recording via Skype, the sound quality can be a bit shaky. It doesn't happen often, but Steve and I had a bad connection. We tried over and over. I apologize, but as always... It's great to have Steve back with his take on the recruiting scene. So that's next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our game day segment is recruiting analyst Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports to catch up. I know we missed uh, October, so we know what December is, Steve. The early commitment date for the first time is right around the corner, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes down, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, as somebody who writes about this, I'm not very excited about it. It's like four days before Christmas, so when most people will be spending time with friends and family, I'll be sitting in front of a computer screen, uh, you know, (laughs) trying to figure out what's going to happen, that type of stuff. It's, it's good for a lot of the kids uh, who want to just get it over with, of which there are many for Michigan. Um, And it's also, I think in a way, despite it being in the midst of like bowl preparations for the coaches, I do think it releases a lot of stress for them too. Um, You know, gives them an idea of, okay, these guys, it's all finished with these guys. It's done. Now we can focus on a smaller pool of recruits uh, to finish out with in February. So, you know, I see a lot of the positives with it. Um, There are some negatives. I don't think any apply to Michigan more about schools, maybe not sending a letter 
to a kid in December who wants us, who's committed and wants to sign, you know, that's, it's kind of the school's opportunity to put up or shut up um, with some of these kids, you know, some guys, uh, their schools will take verbals from, from guys that maybe they're not even a hundred percent sure about why they do that. I don't know. Michigan's done it a couple times. Uh, but overall, I think I, I do think the pros outweigh the cons, uh, but yeah, it's just going to be different. I mean, it's, you know, it's the first time they're doing it. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how it plays. A report surfaced on Saturday claiming Michigan was the favorite to land Ole Miss quarterback Shea Patterson. If he transfers, I think that's the question. Have you heard much about that situation, Steve? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a situation where, so here's the funny thing. Uh, you know, Shea somebody I covered when he was in high school because Michigan offered uh, went back. It's kind of one of the neat things you can do when you cover all these recruits in high school. Go back and find some old messages uh, or, or conversations maybe that you had with said prospect. Uh, Shea was somebody I talked to multiple times, and one of the things, one of the quotes that always stood out to me with him was, uh, "I've always seen myself playing at Michigan someday." Uh, ironically, I mean, you know, that wasn't really lip service either. Uh, he's a Toledo native. Uh, I think believe he has family members who are either season ticket holders or have been to, you know, he has said he's been to multiple Michigan games live at the big house. Uh, I think by the time Harbaugh came in, uh, Ole Miss LSU had kind of taken the lead and, and bumped to the forefront and, and they will obviously like Brandon Peters enough to sign him. As far as right now, uh, I think that there's a lot of smoke building there. Um, I'm not sure. I would quite say it's, the fire has started yet, uh, but if he does this, I do agree with those reports based on what I know. Uh, if he does decide to transfer, I think Michigan is the favorite. Uh, there's been some comments about UCLA, you know, and UCLA is a spot he'd probably be able to walk right in and start. Uh, at Michigan, I, I think there's a real possibility of that, but I don't think Brandon Peters is going to go down without a fight at all. Um, I think, for me, I think it's a no-brainer, though, if you're Michigan. Uh, we see why they lost three of their four games this year uh, due to poor quarterback play or a quarterback being injured. You want that room to have as many great players in it as you can. So um, it's definitely a situation to watch. I mean, there, I think there's a strong possibility he actually, he's actually on campus this weekend. So um, that hasn't been confirmed 100%, but I think it is the strong belief that they're expecting him. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, but like I said, if you're Michigan, I think it's an absolute 100% no-brainer. And that's not a knock on Brandon Peters at all. It's just it's you look at it, you say, does Michigan get better if they get this guy on on campus or on the roster? And the the clear answer is yes. In my opinion, you have the scholarship room, take it. You know, so um, especially with Wilton leaving, you know, I don't necessarily think that was 100% expected uh, as much as maybe some people thought it was. So there's a spot open in the quarterback room, Milton and Doyle, you know, they're not going to play their first year and, and you don't want a situation where your third string quarterback's a true freshman uh, who has no experience in the college game. Like interesting stuff. I mean, it's really the overarching storyline right now for Michigan on the recruiting trail. No doubt about it. Well, you reported on Monday that Michigan would get a big time visit this weekend from Mission Viejo, California offensive tackle, Jarrett Patterson. He's an Arizona state commit right now though, isn't he Steve? He is for now. After watching the Herm Edwards press conference yesterday, I'm interested to see how long some of these kids stick with Arizona State. Um, that was kind of a peculiar introductory press conference for head coach. But uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, I don't know how solid his I don't know how solid his play is right now. He's listening very intently to Michigan and again UCLA, the other school 
that's gotten involved. I know there were a couple crystal balls came in for UCLA. Uh, I don't think it's based off of a ton of intel right now. I know Patterson's really interested in Michigan. They've been on him for a little while. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, here's the thing. He's a guy, uh, we do have him as a four-star, as a 90 rating, which is the lowest four-star. I have to assume he's going to see some – his senior film is, is excellent. Uh, he'd be a great addition uh, to the class if they can reel him in. So, yeah, he'll be on campus this weekend. Uh, I know his dad is coming for sure. I'm not sure about the rest of his family. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, Drevno's already been in to see him for an in-home. I don't know if Harbaugh's going to go in before or after the visit, but Harbaugh's going to be out there to see him too uh, sometime in the near future. So, just a mauler, uh, you know, very aggressive on the outside. And, uh, you know, you got Mayfield, you got Hayes already at tackle. I think he'd be another great addition, you know, because tackle really probably the one spot they really, really need to build some depth at. So, yeah, Jarrett Patterson right up there near the top of their targets right now. Big visit weekend for Michigan. Who are some of the other names that are still, you know, warm for Michigan that will be coming into town? As of now, uh, I think it's, as far as we've confirmed, I think it is Patterson and then the possibility of Shea Patterson, both, well, I guess the, the two Pattersons right now, there's some rumors of a couple other Ole Miss players who are looking to transfer out that may be on campus this weekend. Uh, I know Sam Webb with us reported this morning that Van Jefferson, wide receiver, who I think diehard Michigan recruiting fans would probably remember that name. Michigan pretty much, I thought, had him uh, in the 15th cycle. He signed with Ole Miss instead. Uh, I believe his dad was an assistant coach of the Lions at the time. Uh, he played at Orchard Lake St. Mary for the bulk of his high school career. Um, there's a really strong possibility that he's on campus too. So, you know, they've gotten most of their top, top guys up. Um, you know, the Ohio State weekend obviously being the, the big one. Right now, I think, I'm sure there, I think there are a few commitments who haven't taken their official visit yet. I believe Ryan Hayes. Uh, is a guy that might be on campus this weekend as well. But it's really kind of turned into possibility with, with these Ole Miss guys coming as being really the, the major, major story. Uh, I know safety Deontay Anderson's another one that's been mentioned. Um, I know our national guy, Steve Wilfong, thinks that Anderson's going to end up at Oklahoma. Uh, but Michigan could definitely, you know, safety I think is a spot where Michigan could use another guy. And, uh, you know, he's a, a possibility to be on campus as well. So very unique. Uh, I think you're going to see, you know, Ole Miss situation removed. There are just going to be more and more transfers in college football anyway. So I think you're going to see more of this type of stuff. would be interesting to see if Michigan takes a couple of these guys from Ole Miss. You know, kind of one of those, well, I mean, we can just call a spade a spade. Ole Miss got caught cheating. Uh, you know, you can almost say Michigan looks back and says, well, we didn't recruit these guys dirty, uh, but we're still going to end up with them for the bulk of their career. You know, kind of an interesting poetic justice, I guess, in a way, uh, especially with Jefferson. Like I said, a guy that um, I really think Michigan thought they had back when that cycle was finishing up. So, so yeah, that to me is the uh, the big storyline this weekend for sure. And Jarrett Patterson, though, too. I mean, he is. He's 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 skyrocketed up their recruiting board uh, the last month or so. And like I said, anybody listening, go turn on his senior film. Uh, I think he just put it out last week. 
and uh, and you'll see why. I mean, it's it's immediately noticeable that, that he's a legitimate guy. We have 16 verbals in this class uh, as of today, I believe, Steve. And, you know, we've talked uh, every month this year, and, and I think we agreed that it was going to be a smaller class, smaller than the last two years or the first two years of the, uh, the Jim Harbaugh era. But now we've seen uh, some of our fifth-year guys leave, so there are openings. So how big does this class look to you now, numbers-wise? It, it kind of goes the way it always goes. It always is going to end up being a little bit bigger than what we originally thought, right? So, I mean, you look at who's still on the board. Uh, I mean, this could be a class with 23 or 24. I guess this depends, though, on how many of those, if they reel in a transfer to, because I don't think they technically would count. They'd count towards the scholarship total, obviously, but they wouldn't, like, count as, like, members of that recruiting class. They're just transfers, you know, kind of like Isaac was a couple of years ago. Um but I'm looking at, you know, just based on who they're still recruiting really hard, uh, 22-ish. Like I said, yeah, that's give or take, depending on how they finish. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, I think at the beginning of the cycle, we were at, like, 18, 19. Uh, I think it's jumped up a few spots. And, uh, you know, like I said, though, it's it's the philosophy I've always seen from college coaches in Michigan, no different than anybody else. You know, for instance, let's, like, look at defensive end. They're recruiting Yavi Anoma and Jason Owe, um, you know, it's like if they get Owe, they're not going to say no to Anoma if Anoma was to still want in. I mean, it's just it's never going to be any different than that. I mean, he's Anoma's a five-star guy. Those, that's a guy who has a spot no matter what, even if he's in just another wide, a weak side defensive end, you know. So that's where it always gets dicey at the end of the cycle uh, with guys that may want in, uh, you know, at the spot. You know, it's like you can't take too many elite prospects, I guess, is really how it goes. Um, and then I always say the numbers always work themselves out somehow. So um, right now, well, let's just say like 22-ish, I guess, would probably be where I'm at right now. Well, the 16 verbals we have so far, any wavering amongst those guys? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think the one guy everyone's wondering about is, is Otis Reese, which, you know, not good because he's, he's been committed to Michigan forever, and B, he's really good at football. Um lead, Helping lead his team to a state championship, I believe they are in the championship game this weekend which is, you know, crazy. I mean, there, there's high school football still going on. Um, it, you know, it's amazing. As an aside, it's amazing when you talk to kids from different states, just the different times of the year that some of these states play high school football. I mean, there have been states that have been done for over a month, right? you know, and, and you got Georgia still playing. Uh, I think, you know, they've played like 17 games or something crazy. Um, so Otis is a guy, though. Yeah, uh, Georgia has been really pushing. I mean, this has been going on for a while. Uh, it's kind of dicey right now whether or not Michigan's going to end up with him. They just really need to get him back on campus. Uh, he's had one bye week all year. Uh, I believe I believe Michigan was on the road uh, that weekend, so he wouldn't have been able to come up for an official either way. Don't quote me on that, but I think that was the situation. Um, but either way, it's been months since he's been on campus, and he's been to Georgia probably four or five times at least. I mean, it's right in his backyard. Uh, they've been pushing hard for him. So, and they're in the college football playoffs. So, you know, there's, you're him, there's tangible results that George is going to win big, you know, with Kirby Smart. So uh, we'll see. I know uh, Partridge and, and Don Brown were just down there last weekend. Uh, I'm not sure if Harbaugh has been there yet. I don't think he has. He will be obviously uh, no reason for Michigan to just pack it in. Uh, but, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, they, like I said, though, the biggest thing they just need him to get back up to Ann Arbor for a visit. It's been a long time, so uh, 
there's still a significant amount of hope that if they get him up, they can solidify things there. But outside of him, uh, I feel like everything's pretty solid. Uh, you know, there were some, I guess we'd say, like knee-jerk concerns about Mustafa Muhammad after Jimbo Fisher got hired at Texas A&M uh, just because Mustafa had interest in A&M early on, even though Kevin Sumlin, like, almost literally doesn't use a tight end. I think their tight ends have, like, a combined, like, six catches over the last three years. Um, Jimbo, a little bit different. You know, they produce a lot of great tight ends at Florida State, but uh, I, I believe Mustafa's 100% committed i don't think there's any wavering going on there so um so yeah i mean that, that's everything's again knock on wood everything's gone pretty smoothly so far outside of uh reese as far as the verbals go well most of our listeners like your readers uh, know who those 16 verbals are but there's still some big time players out there we're after we've talked about some of them coming in this weekend right now i'm looking at the uh, the 24 uh, 7 uh, target board just to, to throw out a few of these names, Steve, get your take on uh, on them. You guys have them listed as warm. You've already talked about Ayabi Anoma. Uh, I see Tyler Friday still on there as warm. Uh, what about him? Yeah, so uh, Friday's a guy. I mean, I guess it's old news now, like 14, 15 hours. Uh, I finally put in the crystal ball for Michigan yesterday. Uh, I mean, he's a guy they've literally been recruiting for over two years. I mean, this it's amazing now. You see, like, you know, how early these guys get offers, that type of thing. Uh, he's been recruited by the staff for over two full calendar years at this point. Uh, the top target at defensive tackle, in my opinion, he has been the whole time. I know there was some, you know, there's like the Michael Thompson, Rick Sandage. Neither of those guys are an option anymore. Uh, but Tyler's kind of been the number one guy for them for a long, long time. They've out-recruited everybody else for him. Uh, maybe Rutgers, the only other one who's really been there the whole time, but you know, it's, uh, uh, how do I say it? Rutgers, I think, looked a little bit better on the field this year, but it's still hard if you're an elite prospect to choose to go there instead of Michigan, I feel like, especially when you see up front in the defensive line uh, what Greg Madison and Don Brown have done. So, so yeah, Tyler's a guy uh, I think Michigan's in good shape with as of now. Um, he may make a decision sometime in the next month. It's He's been very, very, very quiet, uh, which is becoming more of a common theme nowadays with the elite guys um, hasn't really spoken much about a timeline, that type of thing. Uh, but there are some indications he may decide sooner rather than later. So, and if he does, that's great news for Michigan. So yeah, he'd be a, you know, people I think are kind of disappointed about this cycle. I don't get it, but Tyler Friday would be a really kind of a crown jewel. I mean, he, like I said, been their number one target at a position of need all cycle. So you can't really do much better than that. And he's a kid out of Don Bosco in Jersey. Uh, the Jersey pipeline continues if we get him. Another kid I, I heard you mention or saw you write about recently and help me with this name. He's out of Berkeley Prep in Tampa. Big five-star offensive tackle. Is it Nicholas, is it Petit Frere? It is. Um, many wonder why Michigan State didn't recruit him. Uh, as Petit Frere is French for little brother. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, you know, whatever about the little brother stuff, but it was kind of, it was kind of a funny joke. Though. I mean, that's literally what his last name means in French. So, um, but he's, uh, he's the number one tackle in the country, according to us at 24 seven sports. I, I'll be honest. Uh, this was a race maybe a month or two ago that I was pretty bearish on as far as Michigan went. Um, again, another kid very quiet uh even he's i'd even go as far as saying when we have people on site at berkeley prep to do interviews with him um he's one of the more non-committal 
prospects I've ever come across as far as like not showing his hand uh, at all. You know, even if you try to read between the lines of his quotes, it's, it's very difficult. Um, Michigan did a great job with him on his official visit. I make this comment. It's harder and harder to make this comment every year. I really do think this is an academics guy, even though he's still considering Alabama. He's, uh, I think, a 4.0 like level student. Berkeley prep, apparently not an easy school uh, to, I think, get into or or to succeed at academically. Um, that's why Michigan, I think, and Notre Dame kind of been the two schools here uh, that have been standing out. I think Notre Dame leads the crystal ball right now. Uh, but like I said, you know, Alabama is like kind of around two, which, you know, people are so gun shy when you say, well, he's an academic kid. And then, oh, well, he's still considering Alabama. Um, I know. Uh, but Alabama, you know, I mean, he's, what does he probably have like a 70% chance of going pro? I mean, if he went to Alabama, unless he got hurt. So, um, you know what I mean? So, so it's like one of those things where he is academic, but you can't fault any kid uh, for playing at Bama with the, with the way they produce. So um, that being said, I know our Alabama guys haven't really been too uh, bullish on, on their chances with him because of their, let's just say their academics are not as good as Michigan and Notre Dame. So um, that's a really going to be an interesting race. Like we talked about Garrett Patterson, Michigan would obviously take both of these, these guys and uh, Petit Frere put 15, 20 pounds on his frame. Um, and he's a guy who really legitimately could compete for snaps in year one. I know we talked about some guys last in last cycle that maybe could Ruiz ended up doing so as I predicted he would, uh, Chief Rare, definitely in that category, uh, especially when you look at, you know, there's a huge question mark at right tackle again next year. Um, and at left tackle with Cole leaving. So, you know, he's a guy Michigan could look in the eye and say, you could play right away and they wouldn't be lying. So will be an interesting one. Like I said, another really quiet kid, uh, but Michigan's pushing really, really hard. You know, Michigan, Notre Dame, uh, Alabama, and I think Florida too. Another name that I still see warm for us. And I, I guess I, I haven't seen much video on this kid, six one one ninety five wide receiver out of uh, Archbishop Rummel in Louisiana, Jamar Chase. What's the story on him? Yeah, so Michigan hasn't signed any prospect period out of Louisiana since they signed Drew Dilio in 2010, and they haven't really signed a prospect of. I mean, Dilio had a pretty solid career. I guess I can't deny that, but like an elite guy, I think you really have to go back to A Train. I think it's the last time that Michigan actually signed like an elite, like. You know, I don't think Train was around when the rank when there was like rankings and ratings, but he probably would have been a five star guy. Um, they haven't signed like an elite player out of the state since then. Chase is somebody that they definitely have a legitimate shot with. Uh, it's kind of one of those things from my standpoint. Uh, I know coming out of the visit, I think Michigan feels like they might be in pole position right now, uh, which I think it might be the case for now. It's just like history. With these guys, it's just, it's, it usually doesn't work out. Um, again, not saying that it, they can't get him at all. I think there's a decent shot. It's just he still has to take an official to Auburn. Uh, he still has to take an official to LSU. And I believe he still has one for TCU. I know TCU doesn't fit in when I talk about Auburn and LSU. Uh, but a good friend of his, Justin Rogers, who I, I think we have as – he's one of the top quarterback recruits in the country, uh, is committed there. They're close friends. That's kind of his in there. So, matter of fact, I think before he – so he was committed to Florida. Before then, I think most people thought TCU uh, was kind of the school where he'd end up going. So, 
you know, I still, it's just one of those where I feel like there's a ways to go still. I don't think he's anywhere near deciding. And, uh, like I said, history, I'm just, you know, I was a history major, like history just kind of says Michigan's not going to end up with a, uh, an elite kid out of Louisiana, but you know, this is their best shot to do it in quite a while. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. Plus again, like sort of like Petit Frere, Michigan can look this kid in the eye and say, you'd be the only receiver we'll take in this cycle, you know? And meanwhile, I think LSU who really, you know, I talk about LSU, but LSU probably not really that big of a factor for him, actually. Like he's talked much in the past about not really wanting to go to LSU for whatever reason. Um, but both Auburn and LSU have multiple wide receiver commitments in their class already. So, um, again, Chase, a year one guy, in my opinion, you look, there's a, I think there's a picture of him and Pep Hamilton at his in-home bit and the kid just already looks like he's physically ready for college ball. So, so yeah, another would be a huge, you know, a kind of, I guess, a perception changer in this class. If they could reel him in, I think it would quiet a lot of the, well, it probably wouldn't quiet a lot of people because those are the type of people that are going to complain anyway, but uh, it would like really make the class look a lot better from top to bottom, you know, to sign a, many people think he's the number one player in Louisiana. So, you know, it'd be kind of crazy if they could pull that off. Well, a couple of tight ends that are still showing us warm for us. Tommy Tremble out of uh, Georgia, another kid from uh, the Peach State out of Wesleyan School, uh, and still Luke Ford, uh, which, uh, you know, I thought by now he'd he'd be somewhere, he'd be committed, but uh, that's two more tight ends that are still warm on us, Steve. Correct. Um, if it was up to me, I'd probably have moved Ford to cool a while ago. Uh, I mean, Michigan's still recruiting him i believe they're going to be in to see him at some point this week and he's expected to official at some point but i mean it looks like he's georgia all the way uh alabama was in the mix too but i mean i know the crystal ball has gone completely in favor of georgia in the last probably the last month or so uh so and i you know again they're still recruiting him but but trembles a guy that i think michigan They've done a great job in that race. Uh, they didn't offer him that long ago. Uh, I think he was considered a heavy Notre Dame lean for a while. Again, another guy who, I say it again, but a, a guy I think is really heavy into the academic side of things. So Georgia was also involved with Tremble, but his connection there is his dad played football at Georgia. So it wasn't like a, uh, even a home state thing. He is from Georgia. It's more that his dad played there as a legacy. So I think there was some interest. But Michigan killed it on his official visit. Uh, they followed it up with a great in-home visit. And uh, my crystal ball's on Michigan right now, which, like I said, when they offered him, it was kind of one of those, you know, all right, well, you know, where was the offer a couple months ago? Maybe it would have done better to get him in the race to do it a little while ago. But no, they did it. They've done a great job. Uh, Chris Partridge again. I mean, he's the main guy in Georgia. He's done a great job. Greg Fry, too. So um, that'd be the second guy this cycle that Michigan's kind of just taken from Notre Dame uh, with McGrone being the other guy that was a heavy, heavy Notre Dame lean until they got a Michigan offer, uh, and then Michigan kind of swoops in. So, um, I, I mean, I should say Notre Dame did the same thing to Michigan with Shane Simon, though, the opposite. But still, uh, Tremble would be a huge win. He's a great complement to Muhammad and Luke Stonemaker. Um, he's more of your H-back style tight end, um, but very athletic, too, like for an H-back as well. So, you know, it's a situation where they – would, would like to take these three, um, but it wouldn't affect, like, each one's commitment wouldn't affect the other guy because they're just a totally different style at tight end, at least as far as it pertains to Michigan's offense. So, um, so yeah, Michigan-Notre Dame again. Uh, I think Tremble, 
in my opinion, as of today, I, I would pick Michigan for sure. Um, but Notre Dame definitely not going to go down without a fight. Absolutely. Well, here's another kid we've talked about for months now out of uh, Christian Brothers College in St. Louis, Cameron Babb, still listed on the board as warm for us. Uh, what kind of a feel do you get for this kid, Steve? I don't think Michigan, I mean, again, probably a lot like, uh, almost like Luke Ford a little bit, um, still trying. I thought he was going to official sometime in the near future. Um, hasn't come to fruition yet. He seems destined to end up at Ohio State. Hurt his knee earlier in the year. Uh, you never know how that's going to affect a kid's recruitment. Uh, but it sounds like Ohio State's still all in on him. As of this juncture, I'd be very surprised if he didn't end up as a Buckeye. Uh, his parents are big into Ohio State. Uh, they've done a good job recruiting him. And uh, like I said, Michigan, I think Joe Hastings, the uh, defensive or the wide receiver assistant, has been one of the point guys on this recruitment, along with, I believe, Pat Hamilton probably involved. But uh, I just think I think Ohio State will be too much to overcome with him. Probably another guy, really, I'd probably put him to cool at this point. I mean, Michigan's probably one of the only few schools he's actually still talking to. Uh, but I just – I just don't see him overcoming Ohio State. Well, another kid that we have talked about for months is Rick Sandage, a defensive tackle, 6'5", 288, four-star out of Concord, North Carolina. What you got to tell you about him? Well, he's had to reschedule an official twice at this point. Interesting because I think it's South Carolina right now, you know, Michigan and South Carolina playing each other in the Outback Bowl. Um, Mom went to South Carolina. There's a lot of connections there. Again, I think with Tyler Friday looking like a pretty safe bet for Michigan, I think – uh, missing out on Sandage wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Uh, but as of now, I mean, I think his crystal balls like got like 20 predictions all for South Carolina. So uh, I think they're definitely in pole position. Um, right now, I think it's even a question if he's going to official or not. Um, we'll see. If they get him up, you never know. Because he had a really, really good unofficial visit. I want to either came to, I think he came to the barbecue or the spring game. I want to say it was the barbecue he came up to. And that's what vaulted them. You know, I think there was a point in time where Michigan was probably leading, actually. So there's interest there. The family actually really liked it at Michigan, too. I just think there's some pull to maybe go to school where mom went. Um, and, you know, South Carolina's had a pretty good pretty good year under Will Muschamp this year, too. I mean, I can't discredit that. Um, you know, they got some tangible results that they can point to and say that they're on the way up. So um, as of now, I'd say South Carolina for sure. With us on our recruiting update for December is Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. And as you can tell, uh, there's a lot going on. And we really uh, have just uh, touched the surface as the, uh, the recruiting wars get real interesting uh, in just a couple of weeks and then again in February. So a few other items, Steve, just want to run by with you. When we talk uh, every month before the season, we, we pretty much agreed that if the results were there on the field this year, that really would help the recruiting, especially in the classes of 2019 and 2020. But we struggled. Are we losing any recruiting traction because of this past season with some of the 2019 and 2020 recruits? I haven't seen any indication of that yet. The direction of a lot of those recruitments, like I, I guess like I think a lot of people, you know, probably the least favorite recruit I've ever had to talk about in my entire life, Devontae Dobbs uh, at Belleville. <laughs> you know, because he's probably not going to go to Michigan. Um, I mean, there was a point in time on our board, I was literally asked about this kid every single day. Great kid, nothing about him. I mean, Devontae's a really nice kid, um, really good player too, uh, but just got a little fatigued with all the questions of him day in and day out. Um, the direction of his recruitment had already kind of been dictated before 
Michigan went eight and four this year. Uh, I haven't seen any tangible indication yet that it's going to hurt. I still don't think it's going to hurt. We look at that they're in line and possibly have a really big finish to this this cycle, and uh, they've gotten off to a great start in the 19 cycle. Uh, I still think with the pros that they put out in the draft uh, in seven in April, I still think is is more of a factor in the positive than eight and four is in the negative, I guess. So, um, and I think we all anticipate, you know, the team should be pretty good next year, uh, better than they played this season. Uh, when you consider a suspected upgrade at the quarterback position, you know, provided their own stays healthy. So, you know, I, I think it's a situation where, you know, and the coaches can make that case too to the kids uh, when they're in their living room with them, when they're talking to them and say, Hey, you know, we didn't accomplish our goals this season, but we were the youngest team in college football. Uh, we were playing our third string quarterback in three of the four losses. Uh, well, played in all four of the losses, but started three of the four losses, our third string quarterback. So, you know, I think that's the type of angle they can take on it and say, look, you know, Mo Hurst is probably going to be a top 10 pick uh, or could be, um, you know, and we got a ton of talent coming up here. So, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to have an effect again. Now, if they turn around and struggle again next year, yeah, I, then I think we might be talking about a little bit of a downtick, despite Harbaugh's long track record of producing pro players. So, no, I don't really see any anything tangible. I mean, there could be some things going on behind the scenes where they're slipping with some guys. I haven't got any indication of that at this point. Well, whenever I have you on, Steve, my downloads go through the roof. People love recruiting. You do it every day, so you know that Michigan fans follow it very closely. So a lot of the emails that I was getting during the season were people saying, I can't believe our offense is loaded with four stars and we are not showing progress. Was there a lack of development from some of our linemen and receivers or are fans just expecting too much too soon in large part based on the star ratings of these kids when they come in? Two things to me that I thought dictated the way this season played out and maybe really at the end of the day dictated those close losses in, in 2016. Losing Grant Newsom was such a huge loss. Uh, he really may have been establishing himself as the best lineman on the team last year. I, I think he got hurt against Wisconsin. I want to say it was the fifth or sixth game of the season. I know he graded out as their top lineman in at least three of those games. I was really looking like a superstar uh, at left tackle. You put a healthy him, I think that really hurt them, especially when the process of building their offensive line, you got to think, like the 2013 class, the, the great 2013 offensive line class that Michigan brought in under Hoke uh, has ultimately been one of the, in my opinion, one of the biggest single position busts uh, in the history of, of college football. I mean, they had, they brought in six guys, Five of them were top, I think, 150 recruits, not just four stars. Like, these are, like, guys who had, like, all had, like, 35-plus offers. Um, I believe they got – Hoogler played this year. Um, but besides that, I want to say they got a total of, like, four career starts, five career starts out of those guys. That's really hurt them. Uh, it's really been a process to kind of rebuild up front. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Uh, like I said, you see Newsom gets hurt. And then all of a sudden, you know, Cole's got to shift over, and then there's a huge hole at right tackle. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if Cole would have stayed at center if Newsom had stayed healthy or if he'd have gone over and played right tackle. But either way, there's just – it was too – it just put too much of an onus on guys that I don't necessarily believe 
were either ready or aren't there yet. Uh, Beatty, I think, played admirably. I think he got better as the season went on, um, but still not a guy that I think maybe would have been the answer there. Ulysio was clearly not ready, uh, you know, with his play. I think the 2015 season really set expectations out of whack for Michigan. I don't think anybody thought that team was going to win 10 games. Uh, really should have been 11 with the miracle against Michigan State. You know, I think it really set expectations to an unreasonable level when you consider what they did lose after the 16 season. I mean, all those starters, uh, you know, you knew you were going to – and then to have Wilton get hurt uh, early on, I think his play would have definitely picked up as the season wore on if he was able to stay healthy. Um, so, absolutely. I mean, I, to me, I look at it like – you know, I look at what happened against Ohio State. I, I The things I fall back on are – you could make the argument Michigan outplayed Ohio State at every position except quarterback. Um, and Michigan outcoached Ohio State, in my opinion, by a long shot for the second straight year. Uh, it was just players not making plays, particularly at the quarterback position. Not trying to harp on John O'Corn, but really, I mean, competent quarterback play Michigan wins against Ohio State this year. So um, no doubt in my mind. Uh, so I think they're a lot closer than what it's, you know, they're a lot closer than the major detractors will say. I think most rational fans can see it. Eight and four, I think it's still a disappointment, though, given that they didn't win one of those four big games. Uh, they lost to the four best teams on their schedule. I think it's a disappointment in that regard. You want to see them win one of those four games, I think. So, um, you know, to go eight and four doesn't sound bad uh, necessarily, but they beat eight pretty bad teams, lost to the four good teams they played. So, you know, I can see some disappointment there, but overall, you know, like I said, I came out of the Ohio State game thinking, A, they should have won, but B, also that this coaching staff, it can easily go toe-to-toe with Ohio State. It's just a matter of getting the pieces in place. So now it's kind of up to them to get those pieces in place, which ties back to the first thing we talked about. It's why Shea Patterson, you add another quarterback to that quarterback room, it's a no-brainer because quarterback may have cost them two, maybe three games this year. I mean, the Wisconsin game completely turned after after Peters got hurt, and then, you know, we all know what happened in the Michigan State game. So, you know, if you're a fan and you're panicking, I just chill out, you know, like this wasn't going to be an overnight thing. I think Harbaugh, I think, like I said, I think 15 set some pretty crazy expectations and uh, a lot of young, super talented players that haven't even really seen the field yet for them. Uh, that will make an impact going forward. Well, a final question for you, Steve. As we have all heard by now, our buddy over in East Lansing, um, not real happy about uh, where they're going bowling. We're talking about Mark D'Antonio. And we got the little Twitter spat that was going on uh, with Mark D'Antonio and Jim. Again, we know why Coach D'Antonio is ticked. He thought his team had a better record. They beat us, and they should have been in the Outback Bowl. But were you surprised they got sent out to the uh, Holiday Bowl? No. I mean, Michigan's just a bigger TV draw and will make more money. I mean, that's just a fact. Whether, I don't know, I think most fans on both sides would accept that as a fact, I guess. Um, that was my big, you know, I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, if you're the Outback Bowl, you take Michigan or Michigan State. I just, you know, the records are close enough for Michigan to make much, much more money uh, for them. I think the tickets for the Holiday Bowl yesterday were at like 23 bucks. The tickets for the Outback Bowl were like at 85 or 90. Um, you know, just tangible indication that Michigan's a bigger draw. So uh, I get it. 
here's the thing, though. Like, I don't know. I mean, you could argue the Holiday Bowl matchups a better, higher quality. You know, Washington State had a really great season out in the Pac-12. I actually think the D'Antonio-Mike Leach combo is kind of going to be kind of interesting to watch those two in the same press conference together because they're almost literally polar opposites. So, um, you know, the, in the Twitter stuff, yeah, I, I'll be just honest with you. I mean, I, I just say thank you because the traffic on our site was amazing yesterday because of it. That's really the only thing I like think about as far as that goes. Harbaugh, uh, obviously going to stand behind his team. Uh, I think that when he does stuff like that, I think it's clear he's confident in the direction of the program. Uh, that's not somebody who isn't confident in the direction of the program is saying. He's not an idiot, you know. And, and the other thing, too, and everyone, he never – I'm not saying, like, you know, super Harbaugh defender here. He only makes these comments after somebody else has made comments about Michigan first. You know, I think that the, the Kirby Smart and the Butch Jones comments were made after both of those guys were criticizing the heck out of the satellite camps. Was it the Ohio State athletic director, I believe, which his comment may have been a little misconstrued, but still, like, he only – what did he say? Uh, he'll When somebody shoots one over the bow – yeah, yeah, I'll respond or something like that. You know, like so that that's really the only time he ever comes out and says stuff like that. So, um, but again, like I said, I look at it and I see somebody, a coach who's, um, you know, very confident in the direction of the program. You know, and and whether people like, oh well, he's one in five against his rivals, he shouldn't, you know, be tweeting and blah blah blah. Like, I, I just maybe they just still don't understand Jim Harbaugh. I mean, it's the same guy who guaranteed a victory over Ohio State when he was a player. Always been a guy that's kind of worn his emotions on his sleeves. I don't think, you know, people would want that to change uh, just because that's who he is. It's who he's always been, you know. So, um, so yeah, I'm not surprised that Michigan got chosen. They're just, like I said, a bigger draw. They'll make more money. It's really what it comes down to. I mean, we're to be honest here. So, um, it's a good matchup for Michigan. I think, actually, I think it's a great matchup for Michigan. I, I, South Carolina, really not that great on offense. Um, and a healthy Brandon and Peters, you know, I think uh, South Carolina is a team that Michigan can absolutely beat. I think it's going to be a good game. And, of course, uh, a lot on the line. You've got your 15 practices that we need. I think last week we already had three practices, but very important offseason. Well, not offseason, but bowl prep and then offseason. Going to be fascinating to watch. My guest with us uh, on this recruiting roundup for December has been Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. And as you've heard Steve and I talking, Uh, In the next couple of weeks, uh, we have the early signing period in December, and uh, whoever's left, whoever hasn't committed by then, will come back in January and talk about that as we build up for National Signing Day, which is still going to be huge. So, as always, Steve, my listeners love hearing what you have to say. We appreciate you taking so much time from your morning, and we look forward to getting you back in January 2019 and uh, talk about what's happening in the recruiting world. Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, again, I apologize for the poor quality of our interview with Steve. It doesn't happen often, but Skype was having a bad day. So, again, sorry. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm on vacation this week in sunny Gulf Shores. It's been in the 60s so far, but when we left Michigan on Saturday, it was cold with some snow. 
but we thought we were heading in the right direction. Not so. Uh, When we got to Birmingham, Alabama, we drove through a blinding snowstorm, their first in 20 years. And needless to say, they don't use salt down here, so there's just no need for it. It would have been on Saturday and uh, Sunday and Friday, though. So it was a mess with cars and trucks off the road everywhere. They played the Alabama State High School Championship Games on Saturday in Tuscaloosa, and they had to use leaf blowers to keep the yard markers cleared. It was the first time they had ever played the Alabama State Championship game in snow, or games, I should say. Thankfully, five hours south of Birmingham, near Gulf Shores, the weather was much better. Sunshine and mid to upper 60s, as we know for Michigan this time of year, that's not hard to deal with. At any rate, we'll be back home in Michigan next week and hope to have the head man at the Wolverine magazine, John Borton, with us as our guest. Check out our free show app in the Google and iTunes stores. You can also get us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to comment or rate the program. Thanks in advance. That will do it for another show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go Blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!